podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkoff and Paul Jenkins. Paul, how are you doing today? Very good. Um, as per usual, when we do a, a podcast, it is a sunny evening here in Northern Ireland. I don't know how we manage to do this, <laughs> but every time, nearly every time we decide to do one of these podcasts, it is a beautiful evening. Um, and tonight is no different. It's always helped when you're coming off the back of a of a victory. But um, yeah, I'm doing really good today. Um, can't complain. Just had a nice wee barbecue there and um, ready to, uh, to hit this podcast um, and and some some uh, great insight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's awesome. The sun is, is starting to come out here in Seattle as well. So we're just we're sunny all around. Uh, Lubo. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I think, Paul, you need to be podcasting every time. I think if you podcast every day, it will it'll always be sunny. <laughs> it'll always be sunny in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. But uh, no, I'm, I'm also, I'm also I, I, I feel the same way, which is I, I, I got started early. I, I, I did my CrossFit workout. I, I even played some tennis. I caught a little bit of the early games, and then I just suffered the, the, oh, the, horrible, the horribleness of Anthony Taylor uh, for for uh, ninety minutes, but it, a win is a win. Another clean sheet, happy days. Yeah, and absolutely. you, Matt? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. You know, just uh, <laughs> by finally getting uh, recovered from the jet lag. And uh, do you know what time zone yeah. you're in? Are you still kind I'm, of across across the sea somewhere? No, I'm, I think I'm like finally back to like. Pacific time. Uh, it was a very rough couple days coming back from Japan, but then, um, yeah, last night. Last night was the first time I could sleep without um, a sleep aid. So, like, we're we're starting to to feel pretty good. Um, I've been good. far less productive today than you guys, but it's also a little bit earlier here. Um. <laughs> how was how is Japan? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. Uh, everybody should go. It's a it's a lovely place. Um, Lots of uh, really amazing food, and you know that's sort of one of the reasons why we travel is to go, you know, have the local cuisine everywhere. And uh, you know, our our trip ended up being a lot of walking around the the various cities we visited and just going to the um, you know the ramen shops or or other street food locations. And all of it was fantastic. Had sushi a, f- a few different days, and like that was really good. So yeah, all in all, qu- quite a good trip. Good. I would like to go one day. It's on my bucket list. Let's see if I can do it. You definitely should. 
So I think, you know, it's probably a good time to talk about Liverpool and our uh, opening question. So we are recording this immediately after the the 1-0 win over Brentford. So, Lou, uh, let's get started with you. What, what, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, I, I think I mentioned one of the aspects that I, I really, really hated, which is Anthony Taylor. I... I... I don't know. I, I, he was. He probably is my least favorite referee in the Premier League. Even though uh, Paul Tierney has climbed up the ladder, but I just, I just hate his smug look and and the fact how he just kept buying everything every time. It was clearly a, a strategy from Brentford to try to buy, uh, buy fouls every time that there was any contact, even the slightest contact, they would go down, and Anthony Taylor would just keep giving them fouls. And that just broke up uh, broke up the game really really ugly in a really ugly way. And I don't know how many uh, yellow cards he gave, including a yellow card to Ibu for kicking the ball, which is a little stupid, but still is I don't know. And then uh, time wasting to Allison. And and I think that if if Liverpool didn't have a, a one nil lead uh, after thirteen minutes, where you can say okay, fine, this time wasting actually does work for Liverpool. I, I would have been super, super annoyed, but that that just oh, Anthony Taylor the whole time kept getting under my nerves. And then the other one is Brentford. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Brentford as a team and uh, the analytics behind it and uh, everything, and how they're a small team that they're punching above their weight. But oh, it's such ugly football to watch. And I don't know if this is how they are in every single game because I don't make it a point to watch all of Brentford's games. But it is just so ugly to watch. Oh. But listen, Liverpool just put up a good fight. Physically stood up. I, 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 it was clearly going to be a fight, more of a WWE match than a football match. And I was just really impressed. Klopp put up a big, big lineup, strong, pretty much the biggest, most you know, physically imposing players he could put on the pitch. And just everybody, everybody battled. And I think it was a well-deserved win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you were saying, I thought that the game was a really rough to watch. Like just the with Brentford's tactics, their time wasting, the referee. Uh, so yeah, it ended up being four yellow cards against Liverpool. Um, and yeah, it, it's just a it's a tough game to watch. But Liverpool took care of business. Uh, at, at one point, the the commentators on the the US feed in the second half were saying like, "Well, Brentford really has taken it to Liverpool here in the second <clears> half," and like. I'm, you know, recounting the game in my head and then looking to see, like, how Brentford had actually done. Like, they didn't take a shot after the 52nd minute. And so, you know, that shows how good Liverpool actually were, despite what, you know, the commentators were saying on on the feed. So, uh, all in all, I thought that the performance was pretty good, uh, despite the circumstances. Uh, so, Paul, what what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I felt one of those games where um, we knew it was going to be a battle, and as you guys have both said, we I think I think the the approach was right with the players that were picked. Lubo, I know what you said yesterday. Um, you would go with 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 Gakpo instead of uh, Elliot, and that was bang on. That was exactly what happened. <clears throat> and um, I have to say, I thought Cody Gakpo had a a pretty effective game. Um, in that kind of midfield role that he played today, um, I thought he was quite effective uh, in what he did. And there was a number, there was a couple of times, especially in the first half, when he just found himself in space um, and was able just to run with the ball and and, and try and pick a pass. Um, there was that 
occasion in the second half uh, when he got when it when he received the ball, dribbled, and I think it was uh, Rico. Oh, I can't remember. Rico Henry. Uh, Rico Henry got got the he got booked for the for the tackle for bringing him down. I just kind of thought you know that's what started with him today because of of his strength and his ability to, to kind of hold the ball. I know, Matt, at times you're not his biggest fan, but I kind of thought today he just had one of those effective games um, without necessarily... Like, we then had the miss from, from literally the goal line where it's you know it's been fizzed in at him and um, it probably should have... I don't know if he adjusts his legs quicker or if he knocks his knee a wee bit. I don't know what he does. Swings his leg out a bit better. You, you could be 2-0 up and cruising at that point. Um but, you know, I think today was one of those days where you kind of watch the game going, Brentford are making this a battle, Brentford's tactics are just um, around the idea of getting set plays, resetting the position of the players, getting them up the field. You saw with the two corners right at the end of the game, load the box, goalkeeper was up for both of them. You could just see what their tactics were going to be um, right from the, from the first whistle, that it was break up play, break up the game. I kind of felt that you don't want to keep talking about a referee after a game. I kind of felt that he was he was nearly giving himself a rod for his own back because he booked Verge after what like four minutes, and then um, Fabinho got booked not long after that. And you're kind of going, if you're handing out bookings this early in the game for what looked like not not the worst challenges in the world, you know where's this going to go? And I think after that he settled himself and and just kind of. Not necessarily let play go, but you know wasn't as quick to get the cards out of his pocket. The, the one against Ebu I felt was really really harsh because he literally blew his whistle just as Ebu was was swinging his leg to clear the ball. Now I can understand, oh you've kicked the ball away, that's time wasting yellow card. But it felt as if it was like, are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must have fan threads? Well. Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. You've only just blown the whistle. Any other time, you're you're probably not going to give that. But he's, on Sky, they said, well, that's, that's probably like his third or fourth like offence. So it's like the totting up process where that's where he gets that yellow card from and then Allison's like you're just kind of going what <laughs> you know that seems seems really you know seems an odd one they've given because he, he wasn't even taking that long over his goal kicks so I don't know it just felt a bit it felt a bit weird but us overall I think <clears throat> looking back on I thought Curtis Jones had an excellent game um, Fabinho was clean and tidy for, for most parts of that game I thought the last 10 minutes he did well just to break things up um, and keep it going. Um, I, I, I kind of thought Nunez was mm, on the periphery of things. Like um, he had, I think he was offside. There was a chance where he ran through, and you know you kind of thought you could do better with that, and then it got pulled up, pulled back for being offside anyway. 
Um, Diaz, I thought, was quite quiet when he came into the game. So you're just kind of going, yes, we've we've found a, a system where we're getting wins and we're probably controlling the game better than we have done at other points in this season. But at times against harder opposition, we're still struggling to actually convert a lot of these chances, which is ironic given when you look at some of the some of the results that we've had uh, in in the past couple of weeks, where you know we've been we've kind of been free flowing with with the goals that we've scored, but against Fulham midweek they made it tough for us, and then Brentford today made it tough for us, um, just to break them down. But hey, I'm not complaining. We've got to win. We're one point behind uh, United now. Yes, they've got the two games in hand, but we're putting pressure on them, so that's all we can ask for at this stage. Yeah, and to go along with what you were saying there, just like Liverpool are falling into the same you know trap that they've been in all season, where they just need to convert their chances. So yeah. they had two point oh eight xg, and that does not count the Cody Gakpo miss from three yards. Uh, so that would have been zero point nine five xg if they hadn't classified it as a pass. So Liverpool <laughs> got over three xg and one goal. Uh, so if you if you, they convert all three of the big chances, that would have been, you know, Darwin's from the the pass from Trent and then uh, mm-hmm. Gakpo's from three yards. Like, it, it's easy on another day to see this being 3-0 uh, or just getting a little bit better shot on one of the one of the lower value chances. Um, you know, like uh, the the Brentford keeper had a good good save from one of Trent's shots. So, you know, it was a it was a dominant game but not on the sport scoreboard um mm-hmm. and so yeah i don't know uh, i think that what you're saying there with darwin having a, a bit of a weird game it's like he couldn't they were they were struggling to get him the ball when he was making good runs so then it makes yeah. his game look less good um so mm-hmm. you know if he may also if he like takes his chance then it looks like he's having a pretty decent game um yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was, I mean, I think that for the chance that he, he missed, uh, he, he, it was a, a, an awkward because the ball bounced right before he made contact with it. So yeah. it, it was a bit, I, you know, probably he would have been better off trying to control it and then take a shot rather than trying to take a first, first time shot. But it, it was an awkward bounce and you, you could kind of see how he missed it. And I think he also got unlucky on that Gakpo uh, shot because he was right behind Gakpo. Yeah. And if, if Gakpo weren't there, it would have been a tapping. I mean, he definitely was ready for that. And so I think Gakpo just kept running. And uh, he just, uh, then he turned. And, and, and he turned the him. wrong way. <laughs> turned the yeah, wrong way. He turned back. Yeah. Turned back. And, and literally Darwin was right, right behind him, right, ready to tap it in from just one yard. And he just didn't. So a little bit uh, unlucky there as well. But um, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's still, it's still encouraging. I mean, we had uh, even without, without. I think there was like we had three big chances, uh, two or three big chances for sure. Uh, Mose was very, very good, and they didn't have a, a big chance, which was actually really good for all the set pieces that they that they had, the corners, yeah. the, the 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 kicks, the free kicks. We defended very well, and I think they only had one shot on target, which came in the third minute, fifth minute, whatever. It was pretty early on that I think Buemo had a, a shot, and that was really it. So um, I, overall, it, it was busy around the box, but I, I think as a, as a team, just did much better job of just staying physical, controlling, and especially being on yellow cards, as, as, as you said. I mean, Virgil and, and Fab, and then 
able to be on the yellow cards and still to be able to remain physical and to you know to, yeah. to do clean tackles i think that actually was credit to the defense and they're gonna they're gonna feel very good and this was a hundredth uh, uh clean sheet for allison uh mm-hmm. liverpool and i i think everybody's going to be really really happy about this one especially ali he got pummeled by i actually was surprised if you're going if taylor's going to give yellow cards for stupid challenges and the fact that uh ivan tony completely took yeah. out allison and he didn't he just how is that not a yellow card it was crazy yeah. uh, i don't know yeah. i don't know <laughs> anthony That's... taylor is just garbage that's my conclusion <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the first time you've said that. <laughs> As are many referees in the Premier League, so it seems. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I think this is a a good point to 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 take a look back on uh, on the run since our last podcast. So, uh, Liverpool's habit of having a strong run in under Jurgen Klopp has continued again this season. Uh, so that's six straight wins. Um, so. I actually missed most of the games while I was traveling. So, uh, how do you, how do you guys think they played uh, since we last talked? Uh, Paul, do you want to start us off on that one? Yeah, like <clears throat> we've had some we've had some good results uh, in there. Uh, so that, that, that you know, we've had the Leeds the six one, um, which which was a was a cracking performance. And then we had the the Liverpool beating we beat Forest three two at home. We had the West Ham. We beat them two one, um, and then last 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 Sunday's game against Spurs. Oh my goodness! Um, what looked like um, a walk in the park after fifteen minutes turned into a real uh, a real nail biter. Um, so I think I think you know you look at you look at those games right, and you look at them and you kind of go. There's been moments in those performances when we have been incredibly good. Um, and we've looked free flowing, and you know we've been scoring goals, and and you know different people are getting on the score sheets. So the likes of against Leeds, we've had Gakpo score, Salah score, Jota score, Nunes score. Um, you know when we played against Spurs, we had um, Jones score and Diaz, Salah, Jota. So we had we had a really good variety. We've had a really good variety of goal scores. I think what we was nice about Spurs game too was the midfield link up um for Jones's goal. You know, straight after straight you know, early in the game, you have Trent on one side crossing the ball over to the other side for Jones running in for 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 to take his goal really, really well. So I think you look at those performances and go and that tacking wise we have looked um really, really good. Uh, still defensively, I think you know Fulham and today then showed a defensive that we probably haven't had at other times in the season where we've been able to see out a 1-0 win when we've kind of misfired a wee bit up front and we've been able to actually rely on the defensive side of our game being strong. You know, how many times did we say earlier in the season, if we'd taken our big chances, we'd have won those games easily. But the problem then was we conceded goals. Uh, and for Liverpool, you know, for how we think on Liverpool, it's kind of been one of those seasons where after last season, last couple of seasons, we've been used to really good defensive performances. This season, our defending has just been like non-existent for, we know for X number of reasons. We don't need to rehash it all. But 
you just look at this, um, you know, the last two games especially where we've seen out these one nil wins, and you're kind of like, mm, that's pretty good. Like we've controlled those games, we've been good defensively, we've been able to match. You know, we'll have to sort out the attack and taking these big chances that come our way and um, get more clinical. But the positive is that there are games where we have been able to score goals and we've looked good doing it. Um, and we've been able to come back. I think of that Forest game where they brought it back to two each and we went straight down and we were able to take that up to 3-2. We think of the Spurs game last week where they bring it back to 3-3. Then we go and score and make it 4-3. Do you know what I mean? So there are those those times when we come back. We think of the West Ham game. We go behind and then we score two goals and win that one. So we've turned around kind of what our Achilles heel at the start of the season was, where if we got clawed back or we fell behind, we were never able to get ourselves back in front again. Whereas now we've been, in the last six games, we've been able to do that. Yeah, it uh, does seem like Liverpool's uh, like never give up attitude is um, definitely coming back yeah. with all the, these like comeback wins and like late late goals and stuff like that. So I, I did notice that uh, had been a feature of the last few games, and I think that you know with today's one nil win, that's five one win uh, one goal wins in a row. So yes. they're they're starting to find the the ways to to win again. So that that's that's quite nice. Um, Lubo, what what were your thoughts on the on the last run of games? I mean, it's 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 been. <laughs> I think that the change in 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 the tactics, right, or the change of the uh, moving moving Trent into this more midfield hybrid role, the Trent role, whatever we want to call it, uh, has definitely helped uh, in two aspects. One is the attack. I think we're generating you know a lot of uh, good chances, especially when we are on form and when we're free-flowing and, and I think we saw that with the Spurs game uh, we, we, so we need, we've seen it with the, uh, you know, a few other games Leeds as well, we, we can definitely create a lot of chances and luckily the finishing has come back uh, you know, I think this is something that I, I, I always like to repeat the mantra that it's, it's very finicky uh, and early in the season we were missing a lot of the big chances, I think with this new, uh, new, new uh, formation or, or the new tactics we have continued to create uh, chances, but now we have been scoring them. And so that has made a, a big difference. I think that with, uh, th- we've also brought a lot of the counter-pressing, w- which has helped. But because it's a new system and because it does take a while to learn the counter-pressing and to do it efficiently, you, we've had a couple of those uh, uh, two or three moments a game where the counter-press mm-hmm. has failed. And we've had opportunities, or the other team has had opportunities, and unfortunately, the other team has been clinical, and there's been a bit of bad luck, right? I mean, some of the uh, the, the the forest goals that they scored, uh, a little bit of bad luck there. I think even the Spurs goals that that, that that they scored were a little bit unlucky, especially the first one from Kane, where Virgil slipped. Um, and so, I, I think that it's they definitely are defensively and 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 definitely controlling games. Um, is more work to be done, but mm-hmm. at least offensively, uh, it has been positive, and that combined with the uh, with the f- better finishing has given this this nice winning run. And we've needed a little bit of luck. I mean, every time you win a number of games by by one goal, you do need a bit of luck. And I think that especially winning one one nil, you do need a little bit of luck as well, especially against Fulham. 
getting that penalty. I mean, it was a penalty mm-hmm. despite the claims of Fulham players, but it was it was a little bit lucky how Darwin won it. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think we've been good. I think we have been good. We've not been great. We've been good, and we've been also a little lucky. And 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 you need that to to go on a long winning run like we have. And we just hopefully need to uh, keep it for another another three games and then see where we end up. Yeah, they they've been what you would call good enough, right? And so you just got to go one and zero each game, and like that's the the whole mindset for for this type of run is just just got to win the next game in front of you by any means necessary and just get that done. Um, so you you sort of touched on it, and this was the, this was the next thing I wanted to bring up is um, Trent has been moved into midfield uh, more recently as like a tactical plan in game where he'll shift in there a little bit uh, more frequently. So Luba, well, I want to stick with you and what, what do you make of this tactic? And do you think it's a viable long-term strategy? I, I like it uh, for a couple of reasons. One is every time you get your best playmakers on the ball and give them more opportunities, uh, the better, right? And, and, and even before less so early this season, but in, in past seasons where you had that more of a flat, kind of a solid defensive midfield, the tactics were still geared to get as much as possible of Trent and Robo on the ball. Um, and so it's not like this is the first time that we're seeing Trent be creative player. <laughs> he has been a creative player before. It's mostly been more wide rather than, than centrally. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's a good experiment. I think that it's it's worked. It's it's helped give. I think maybe it's just given the team a little bit different, something to be excited about. And the fact that it has coincided with us playing better, uh, finishing those chances better, winning games. I think it's just given a lift to the team, and and with with confidence, it, it, it comes better play. And then I think because we've been winning with this system and we've been getting the points, uh, just players are maybe uh, embracing it a bit more. Um, you could see a, a situation where we've been playing well with this system, but getting unlucky and maybe dropping points here and there, and maybe players are not as confident in the system, right? So, from that perspective, I think it's 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 been it's been you know it's been nice to see. I definitely feel this is something that will Klopp will continue to use next season. The question is, would this be the main? Uh, system or would he just like to go back and forth and sometime actually do more of a traditional 4-3-3 rather than this kind of an inverted uh, trend role there'll probably be horses for courses especially as other teams start to adjust and there have been some teams I think Fulham did a pretty good job of kind of uh, neutralizing Nottingham Forest did a pretty good job of uh, kind of neutralizing at least in open play so I don't think that this is going to be necessarily a system that you will want to use in every single game next season, but having it as an option and, and having it as something that you could use, uh, I, th- I think it's been a positive. And I definitely, th- I definitely think that um, Klopp will continue with it the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the, the season, the next three games. I, I do have some challenges with it. I think one is... Um, Again, it, the, the counter-press is, is not perfect, and it's going to take a little bit of time to, to learn the spacing and, and how, how it works. I think, two is I'm not 100% sure this is the best system for Robo, uh, and, and you do sort of limit it a little bit his attacking 
yeah, contributions and maybe he's not so super experienced and so super comfortable playing in a kind of a back three defending. So that is something to be e- evaluated. And three, I do think that as good as Fabinho is next to Trent as sort of the, the, the destroyer, I do think that you probably want to have a better passer and a better creator next to Trent. Uh, and, and Fabinho was great today for the goal. His pass to, to, to uh, Vir, uh, Virgil was great. But I think if you, if you make this system uh, with Fabinho and Trent, I think you, you just make it a bit too much uh, dependent on Trent. Uh, and and then you, you you don't want to be so dependent on one player to be your fully creative fulcrum, right? So there 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 could be challenges, but who knows? I mean, it's it's you could you so uh, you know if Thiago could stay mm. healthy and Thiago could play next to Trent, and you have two exceptional passers and creators as sort of the two deeper midfielders, that actually could be quite a lot of fun to see. Uh, and maybe that's something that Klopp will also try next year uh, if Thiago is healthy and available and if he stays. Um, so to some, I think it works for now. I like a lot of aspects of, uh, of it. I think that there's, I'm not necessarily sold that this is absolutely the way to go uh, next season. Okay, yeah. Uh, like I think that I agree with you with the like some of the struggles this season is the like passing from midfielders has been um, poor, like not very accurate. So moving Trent, who is a very good passer into midfield next to Fabinho sort of like helps alleviate that problem, right? So you have a, you put in a very good passer right next to Fabinho and you're able to sort of advance the ball through one of your better creative players. And uh, I think that that that's one of the aspects of the system that is attractive. Um, but I think that, like you're saying, then, when you move Trent from uh, sort of the wide areas into midfield, then it sh- like changes the balance of where you have to have other guys. And uh, I- I'm not sure that that is a, a solved problem yet. Um, and then, like you're saying, it may not get the best out of, um, out of Robertson. Um, then... In the long term, I think that, you know, as Liverpool code through their building process, uh, Trent uh, being 24 years old is probably uh, one of the main guys you want to build that next team around. And so having the option to play him in a midfield role or at his more you know traditional right back role does give you um, more options about what the pieces you want to have to bring in to be around him to support him because what you want to do is get the most out of him and his creative passing uh and i I think that you know it could be you know a viable option in that way um paul what are your thoughts i think what is really really good about trent is his versatility and i think that obviously this season and I think there was a, there was an interview the other day where Klopp talked about he wanted to try this earlier in the season, or even he did try to do it earlier in the season. It just didn't work because the, you know players who were available. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for don't underestimate the impact that Curtis Jones being available has made on how this system has worked. And I know that people are like, you can't say that Curtis Jones has made the whole thing work, and that's not what I'm saying. But I I, I do think that that in a way. 
um, his skill set, his ability, like you know, some of the stats that he's posted in his last number of games um, has been really, really impressive. And you're kind of going, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that having him back and us switching Trent from that kind of wide creative role to the inverted um, like double six kind of idea beside Fabinho, I think there's I think there's something to be said about having both of them um, firing and playing well. And the fact that you know, Trent's versatility is what's what makes him such a great, you know, such a great player. Uh, I don't buy this line that he's not a good defender. He is a good defender because we still we, we are now effectively asking him to do two two roles within the team. One being that deep line play, playmaker beside Fabinho, that deep line six who's you know in that nearly. De Bruyne kind of let's create chances for for everyone else kind of role from through the middle, but you can also play him at right back and then have him overlapping and creating chances on the outside of Salah. So I think what we have seen in the last six seven games now is a versatility with Trent that that people have been calling for, but not in the way that people have been calling for it. He hasn't just been literally moved in the midfield and that's it. The 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 responsibility that he's been given still revolves around well when defensive shape you know we're in there four and he plays right back it's when we then get into possession and move the ball forward he's moving forward into that you know that midfield two and we've we've kind of transitioned from that idea of um, two three at the back to move to the 3-2 with Trent coming in, where previously him and Robbo would have been high up the pitch, making the five at the front. Instead, this time now, we're asking them two to sit and we're looking for our, we would call them eights. I've heard Klopp refer to them as tens to be more in the half spaces and more kind of working. And I think that's where Jones has been really effective. Um, and I think also today we've seen Gakpo work pretty well in that. Previously, then he's been doing that that Bobby false nine, which has also then given um, Trent a bit of a bit of space to work and do what what Trent needed to do. I I, I agree with Lubo, and you know that kind of idea. Is this going to be the long term solution? And I I don't know. What I do like is the flexibility that we're building with you know being able to work this system out. But also know how the four three three that we've worked for so long, where Trent and Rob will get forward, and um, we also you know we know how to do that, and you kind of feel that once the counter pressing comes, um, and we get that all nailed and a better preseason. Like Klopp talked about this coming into this season, we didn't have the best preseason, and um, to get started, then things didn't go right. Then you know you're looking at right, what do we need to do to solve this? We're not getting the defender from the front. We're not kind of winning the battles in midfield. All of a sudden, our defence is looking terrible, and it's not because they're terrible. It's just a culmination of so many things. So I think moving Trent forward like this has helped. Um, but I'm I'm not one of the guys who's like we need to play Trent in midfield, buy a new right back, and just play Trent in midfield. I I don't think that utilizes Trent's skill set to the to its fullest. I actually think let him be this 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 hybrid uh, right back, you know, number six, double pivot kind of idea, deep line playmaker, whatever whatever FIFA term that people want to use for it. You know, I I just think let him play. <laughs> you know, let him do what he's doing, um, and let's you know let's continue to be fluid and making it difficult. Um, 
But in game, then what that gives us is the ability that you know, say the likes of a Fulham or a Brentford who are closing, you know, certain passing channels down and closing different avenues down. Well, then we can revert to that kind of overlapping high, high fullback um, kind of approach um, to our games. And Trent can do both of those things really well. Obviously, and Lobo, you said this, and um, the point I was going to make was what's the impact that has on Robbo because. He is so used to getting down the left hand side, and he's so good at it that you're kind of going. We, you know, he's sacrificing now his game to allow Trent to push forward with his game. You're kind of going, you know, you're negating one side. That's what I thought today. The left hand side to me didn't feel at times very effective because it kind of, you know, lots of things were getting lost, and just because it wasn't wasn't quite the same. You know, Rubble was, was trying to get forward, but he was also very aware that, he, you know, he couldn't be bombing <laughs> the way we've always seen, the way we've seen, you know, with Mane. Um, because you knew that Mane's counter press was, was going to be incredible. So Rubble could be able to do that. At the minute, we just don't have that. So it'll be very intriguing to see how this works going forward next season. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it, I think that, you know, having Trent in that sort of free role um, is, is good because, you know, he's your best playmaker and he can then mm-hmm. do whatever he needs to do to get the ball forward, create chances and things like that. Um, and yes, it, it I think you're right. You and Lubo are both right about Robertson. It's just about um, since he's now just turned 29 and he's going to be, you know, 30 mm-hmm. next season, uh, managing his legs and finding a system that works as his, you know, physical capacity sort of wanes uh, will be imperative. Uh, We've seen that, you know, how the approach to the midfield has not worked out as well with their legs getting, you know, older, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, having a different approach there to make it so like Andy Robertson can continue to contribute at a high level, you know, adjusting the system makes sense. Um, So I, I think that uh, you know you had you had touched on it a little bit with Curtis Jones being back, uh, but also Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz have come back and been available for this uh, this last stretch of games, uh, and it really showed how important they are to the team. So, what mm-hmm. have your impressions of these guys been, Paul? I think uh, you know the Spurs game. If we look at it. Diaz getting a goal earlier on and Jota getting the winner in the 94th minute. We, we can see the impact that both these players um, have had. <clears throat> and, and we look across the, the games. I mentioned earlier about the different players who are scoring in these games. 
I, I think it's no it's no surprise that, that that getting them back and available has allowed us to um, convert those big chances. You know, a lot of people were kind of questioning Jota. How you know how long was it going to take him to get back up to full full speed? Um, you know, he hadn't scored goals. Was it nearly a year they hadn't scored a goal on? And, and I think it ended up being going, over a year, right? Yeah, and loads of people are going like, you know, that's not good enough. That's not, you know, if Newcastle come in and uh, come in and want to buy him, let's get him sold. Let's get forty million, fifty million, whatever for him. I, you know, I kind of go. He's he's still such a good player for us, and I think these last number of games have has then shown that it shown his importance to the team, um, and it gives us that variety. It gives us that option then to be able to change. You know, there today, um, Diaz. So Diaz started last week. He, you know, he started against against Spurs. Um, he was involved um, against Fulham. Uh, and there today, then, then he wasn't involved um, till till sixty five minutes. So I think we've missed that, <laughs> where we've been able to bring in top quality guys off the bench in uh, in our attack. Um, so I don't think you know we shouldn't underestimate the impact that they've had, the rotation ability that we now have. You know, there today, Gakpo started, you know, effectively in an, in an eight role, but he finished the game uh, in the nine. Um, Jota came off, Diaz came on, Nunez came off. Do you know what I mean? So we haven't had that a lot this season. At times, we've just had the three. We've just had to play with them, and then you're bringing Harvey Elliott on. You don't know where he's going. Are we going to four four two? Are we, you know, are we dropping four five one? You know, where where have we been for a lot of games this season? So yeah, no, I think those two coming back, Curtis Jones coming back, um, and today you're kind of looking at the midfield going, oh flip, like. Hendo's got a bit of a knock. You've got Milner, um, who's on his way out. Uh, then you know you're, you're missing some other players. Thiago's went for his operation. Navigate is not about. Um, Ox doesn't get a look in anymore. And you're kind of going, well, we're pretty much down to just these guys that are starting. That's really what we have here. Um, and yet, you know, we were able to, to manage that game and and do well. So it's it's definitely it's definitely good having. Having those two, those two back, Curtis back, you know, and being able to see out the season the way we have done. Yeah, I think that you know Curtis Jones's skill set is kind of what has been missing uh, all season. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent ball reten- retention midfielder, and I was just having a look through his stats, and totally. he's like ninety plus percent passing every game. He doesn't lose the ball very much. And then the other thing that's interesting is he's kind of like. A sneaky tall guy. He's like six foot one, but you don't think of him yeah. as being that big. And so, just him being like a little bit bigger guy helps with solidity in the midfield. Even though he's maybe not the most defensive midfielder um, on the on the team. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, having Jota and Diaz available, they're just a very high quality attackers. Uh, you know, when Jota came back, he didn't look on the pace and I'm thinking that he might might have still been recovering from his injury for the first month yeah. or so and that probably was why he didn't you know contribute to as many goals but now he's got he's got five and so that that's yeah. that's pretty good for a guy that's played about 1090s um, so mm-hmm. you know it, it's good to see them back and, and contributing and it's it kind of sh- you know hi- highlights their absence in the middle of the season and how yeah. how much Liverpool were missing um, yeah totally yeah so Lubo what what are your thoughts 
So a couple of things. So obviously having Curtis and, and Diogo come back from injuries ha- has been huge. And you've already touched on this. And it was quite interesting that actually both signed, if you remember, both signed new, uh, new deals. I think it was this season or, or the beginning of the season when they were out injured. And so there were questions. Why, why are you giving them new deals? And, you know, they're, they're not even playing. They're injured. And the, a lot of people thought, well, you're just protecting value. You're going to sell them. But I, I don't. I think that it was just the, the, the team, just uh, coaches and the team believed that they're going to be really, really important. And it could have been actually quite smart to, to I don't know what the new deals are, but just to get them to sign new deals a little bit in, in this situation, maybe even get a little bit of a, of, of a, of a break for the team. But mm-hmm. just to lock them up and knowing, you know, believing in them. And obviously, it's, it's always difficult when players are injured to come back. But now both uh, Curtis and, and Diogo have looked uh, really good lately. And now knowing that actually you have them as options for, you know, another four, at least four years. I think both are signed through 2027. So now that, that it's, it's just you know, two players you don't have to worry about immediately what to do with. You know, you've, now you've locked them up. To, to long-term deals, uh, they, they look good. You just, you just keep playing them. But I think the other thing that, that Diogo uh, has, has helped with uh, is tactically he's just very smart. And I think a little, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Darwin and even Luis, even though Luis is, is adjusting, uh, they're a little bit more like, you know, street ballers a little bit. I think they're a little bit more uh, unpredictable. Um, and Diogo, he, he can really um, execute the tactics very well. And I think that's also the other contribution from... Uh, from Cody, be coming, being able to come in uh, centrally and adjust quite quickly to that uh, that false nine role, um, you know he has not he's not yet, and I don't know if he'll ever be prime Firmino false nine. I think Firmino might have just yeah. you know be be the, the 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 sort of the the legend of that role, but just I think tactically he's just been astute and has helped to. Um, to uh, well, along with Diogo to put together a structure, a tactical structure with with uh, Curtis and with with Hendo, aware the team could just uh, I think be a little bit more composed and and, and more confident. And it wasn't a, a, a surprise that for a while I mean uh, Klopp didn't even make changes. He just kept putting the same yeah. eleven more or less uh, to 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 adapt. But I think especially this upfront, he wanted to get that. The, uh, the the front five uh, with uh, with uh, Curtis and, and Hendo as the tens, and then uh, Fab and and um, Trent behind, just because he wanted to give them enough enough minutes to adjust to the system. Uh, and now you can start dropping in Diaz, you can start dropping in Darwin as as as, as you have a bit more comfort, and I think that will definitely continue in the summer. But not just for the goal scoring, and both Cody and Diogo have scored some big goals lately, but just that tactical uh, awareness and just tactical discipline to be able to play in this, this, this system and make it work. It's, it's been really huge to have them back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and that, that's a good point for us to uh, start looking ahead to the, the final couple of games of the season. So uh, Liverpool finished with, with the, the campaign with games against Leicester, Aston Villa, and Southampton. Uh, they're currently one point behind Manchester United as we record, but Manchester United have not played this weekend, and they have a game in hand. So that makes the total number of points that need to be uh, made up at seven currently. So, um, Lubo, will Liverpool win their last three games? 
I mean, you like to think so. They're 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 playing with confidence. I think actually, I think the, the the winning these games by one goal and now having a couple of uh, clean sheets, even though they're at home, I think this is will give the team a lot of a lot of confidence. I, I think so. From from that perspective, uh, hopefully that means that they they can go in and the teams that they're playing against. You know, they're not world beaters, right? I think Leicester City is next, and even though Leicester City they're fighting for relegation and they're going to be difficult but you, you like to think if you if you if you have ambitions for top four even if it's a slim chance you you can beat leicester you can beat aston villa at home and then you can you can beat uh, uh southampton and southampton by that time will be relegated so they will just be just really just having fun <laughs> if you will so i mean you like to think uh, liverpool can win these three games i think the other thing also what's what's going to be really important is that these are basically three games that are just going to be just weekend games they don't have any more uh, uh, week games uh, or during the week games, um, and I think they have, a, that, they have a Monday game. Well, but but right, what it, I mean, it's not a midweek game. You're right; they don't have a midweek game, and I think that's going to be really important because it's going to allow Klopp to basically still uh, be be pretty much using the same lineup. Maybe one or two changes here for freshness. Hopefully, Robo is fine. He was he seemed to be limping a little bit toward the end, but that hopefully he has enough time to recover. To basically just put your that first eleven, uh, three three games in a row, and and just hope hope that you can you can win them, and I think it that's going to be very important because I think we saw it the last couple of games. I mean, Spurs second half, um, you know, midweek against Brentford uh, against Fulham. I think toward the end here uh, against um, Brentford today, it is it is just very difficult when you're uh, playing this very still very physical very. Uh, High counterpressing uh, system, and you don't have a lot of midfielders to rotate. It it is it is challenging, and I think so, the fact that they've actually been able to uh, to win these games, even by one goal against Fulham yeah. and today, and have the three points in the bag. Now they can just kick their feet up uh, and just play one game a week for the for the last three games, and go going with confidence, and hopefully they can win them as well. And I think that you know, even though Man United have the the games in in hand, if you will, uh, they're basically going to be playing uh, two games a week for all of May, and it's not they, it's not a given that they're going to win all of those games. I, they're definitely going to drop points, if only because of fatigue and injuries. So, yeah, I think that you know, like you're saying, the 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 two. Uh, games against the weaker opponents are the away games, and then the one difficult opponent, more difficult opponent in Aston Villa, is at Anfield, and so that works right into Liverpool's hands. It's like the the two teams that aren't very good that are fighting relegation or going to get relegated are the away games. Home game is the tough one, um, and so like that will work in in Liverpool's favor. So I think that you know there's a good chance with the one game a week that Liverpool do go. 3 and 0 down the stretch. Um so Paul w- what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm very much with you. Um I think that we've every opportunity, every chance, um every belief that we should get um three wins from these games. We've got as it stands today when we're recording this, we've got 9 days before we play Leicester City. Then it's the Saturday after that that we're home to Villa and then it's Saturday after that that we finish the season away to Southampton. You kind of think that there's enough time in between all those games for conditioning, for any last-minute tweaks that need to be done, and for players to be comfortable with what they're doing. So 
Uh, I don't see any reason why we don't get three wins from those games. You could argue that you know Leicester City will be fighting for their survival. Southampton are probably going to you know they're, by the time we come to play them, I'd say Southampton will be will be relegated. Um, you know, so they'll not have a whole lot to play for. The only the only you know possible banana skin will be um, Aston Villa, just from the the point of view that you know they're close to us. They're playing semi decent football. Um, and I am really got them playing really well. Um, but you would like to think last home game of the season that we'll be we'll be up to put in performance and get the win in that one. So yeah, I don't see any reason why we don't win out from here. Yeah, and that there there will be some emotions in that game too. You know, a couple of the the guys with yeah. expiring contracts will be saying goodbye, right? So you'd you'd think that, you know, the fans, the crowd and and the mm-hmm. players are all going to be up for that game against Villa, so uh, you know I'm, I feel feel pretty good about that one. Um, so just looking at the the top four chances now, uh, so the the five thirty eight model has updated after Liverpool's win against Brentford today. Uh, currently have them at a seventeen percent chance uh, to get top four. Uh, that the 538 model is currently projecting Liverpool get 68 points and United get 72. Uh, and they give United an 85% chance at top four. And then Newcastle is 93%. Uh, Brighton, who are below Liverpool right now but have games to make up, are at 5%. So the question is, do you guys think Liverpool are going to get top four? Uh, Lubo, do you want to get us going on that one? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, well, you have to keep believing. I think we said on the last podcast, uh, or maybe the podcast be- before that, that the, the team that finishes fourth will uh, that, that seventy one points will be enough to finish fourth, and that's now uh, maybe doesn't it's not like an Einstein type uh, brilliant saying because that's the most Liverpool can get, and so if Liverpool don't get seventy one points, they have no chance, right? But I also mm-hmm. feel that if that I do think that Man United will still drop points uh, for for a couple of reasons. One is I, I, as again a lot of games they're playing. I think they're playing two games a week, uh, and they have a lot of injuries. I mean, they're playing Luke Shaw at center back, and granted, Luke Shaw has probably been the better center back that you you, you expect, but it's still Luke Shaw, and and ironically, it was Luke Shaw who caused them the the penalty 
uh, at at Brighton. Um, I think the, the 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 Man United games are not super difficult, but they're tricky. They're not easy games. And they, they play at West Ham tomorrow, and West Ham is definitely not free uh, uh, from risk of relegation. Right? They they ideally would want at least a couple of wins, um, and I think that they're definitely going to be fired up tomorrow. In fact, David Moyes, I think he said that their players were um, thick midweek. Uh, against Man City, but I think he just rested a bunch of players <laughs> against Man City, knowing that he doesn't have a chance there, just to have them fresh and available uh, against Man United. Um, and I think if they if they get one win uh, or a couple of wins, uh, West Ham, then they can focus on their um, Europa Conference League semifinal. Um, so I definitely think they're going to be fired up tomorrow. Um, and and so you never know. They, they they West Ham win tomorrow, and the pressure really is going to be on uh, on on Man United. So I mean, the, the the tricky part is that you want them to to drop points for sure. Obviously, if they win three games, the math says that they are going to finish. Um, they're going to finish uh, uh, in in top four. Uh, so you know they'll have to drop not just lose, but ideally draw a game or two. Uh, but I still have dreams. Uh, of both Liverpool and Man United finishing on 71 points and Liverpool <laughs> finishing fourth by virtue of goal difference because we thumped them 7-0 at, at, at Anfield. That would be actually quite beautiful and poetic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at uh, uh, Man United's remaining games and they do have, like you were mentioning, West Ham at home tomorrow and then they, I mean, away to West Ham tomorrow and then they have uh, Wolves at home away to Bournemouth, Chelsea at home, Fulham at home. So uh, in that, you got to drop seven points. So you got to lose a couple games, uh, draw a couple games. So just any, any, anything in there will, will work, any combination. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think that, you know, having Liverpool having won the last six games makes this a, better like quite a bit better possibility than the last time we sort of checked in on this after the um the arsenal draw um and so you know looking at the model that 17 percent that's about a one in six chance so that's like that's not good but it's also where you can keep um keep in on it like it gives you something to to work towards you don't have like there's no reason to give up like they can still do this it's still on there the only unfortunate part is they don't control their own destiny. And, you know, I think they have a quite a decent shot. And like all the factors you're saying, like with United playing more games twice a week, it's the pressure is going to build on them as Liverpool continue to win. Um, so like it's, it's all on them not to, not to screw up and Liverpool just keep, keep doing their thing. Uh, so Paul, what do you think? It's going to be tough. There's no, <laughs> there's no sugar coating that um, once you take it out of your own hands then it becomes very difficult to kind of work out how these things work like I'm just I'm sitting here looking at the Newcastle run in um, you know they, they play they play Arsenal tomorrow then they're wet Leeds then they're at home to Brighton they've got Leicester City they're away to Chelsea so you kind of look at Newcastle and go they need to win you know Will they lose enough games? I don't think so. Will they drop enough points? I don't know. Um, so you're kind of looking at United. I think the big thing tomorrow um, will be West Ham United because if 
West Ham can get the win, um, and New uh, and Man United's results away from home have not been great um, this season. They're not particularly hot away from home either. Um, so if if West Ham can get a win, all of a sudden there's pressure on United because they've one game in hand and they're only one point ahead of us. Um, after you know after that West Ham game, if West Ham can win, and you know you then start to think. You know, Wolves always tend to give United a bit of a, a bit of a competition. Chelsea have got a win there today. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the most uh, incredible performance that I've seen all season, but um, you know they 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 finally got a win under Frank Lampard. There'll be a bit of a feel good factor if they can get a win or a decent result in their next game. Then they're coming to play. You know, Chelsea United games are always a big game, and as Lubo you have said, injuries. Yeah, you know, there's there's so many things that could still happen, but you 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 kind of look at it and go, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough ask, um, and at this stage, all we can do is win our remaining three games, um, and hope that somehow you know these teams around us drop points, um, in unexpected ways. Which, to be fair, this season, that has happened. <laughs> so uh, there's no point there's no point saying it's never going to happen because you know the there is what one six chance percentage wise that it may happen based on on the stats that you've read there matt and I, I, I want to believe let's put it this way jurgen talked about doubters to believers let's be believers um kind of definitely i want to believe that 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 we can still do it um it would be a lot nicer if if we were you know, a bit closer in points um, at this stage. If it was one point between the two teams and we were on the same games played, I would be a lot more positive than I am right now. But that being said, after tomorrow, things could be looking um, looking quite nice for us. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely uh, worth seeing it out to the end and not giving up. Uh, I'll say this much as well. Brighton... Um, if, I said this the other night. Brighton have got you know a number of games hand over us, but if they win out all the games that they have left, someone gives them the title because <laughs> they're away at Arsenal, they're away at Newcastle, and then they've got a game at home to Man City. So if they, you know, they could overtake us if they win their games in hand. But if they win all their games in hand and win out the rest of the season, someone needs to give them the title because that's just an incredible run. in if they win all those, no, yeah, absolutely. It, they definitely have the most difficult run of any of the four teams still in that top four race. Yeah, and another thing to say is, I mean, we remember that incredible run in uh, uh, two seasons ago, right, with the Allison mm-hmm. Heather, uh, and when we won, I think eight of the last ten games. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. and actually, I think if if we're able to win the last uh, uh, three games, it actually would be nine wins and a draw out of. Uh, uh, out of ten, yeah. so actually it would be a slightly better run than uh, than two than uh, two years ago. But what also we need to remember that then we needed both Chelsea and Leicester to draw points, and they did. I think Chelsea actually ended yeah. up losing at home to I don't know was it Aston Villa or some really kind of freak result. Somebody Leicester really dropped. bad. Yeah, and Leicester also lost at home. So so obviously we're in a similar situation where we need the teams uh, above us, at least one of the teams above us. Uh, to lose games they should not be losing. Uh, and that's what happens at the end of the season when you have to play a lot of games um, in a compacted schedule and just weird, freaky things happen. So we don't need both 
um, United and Newcastle to have these freak results, although it, it could happen. I think Newcastle have that extra two points, which makes their, uh, makes their uh, job a little bit easier. But weird things do happen. Uh, freaky things do happen. And I think that is uh, what we can, we can only hope for. As you said, that Liverpool win their next three. And then we can just kick back and we can just uh, watch uh, both uh, Newcastle and Man United games and just, just hope that they just trip up in the most hilarious fashion. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good point to to start bringing things to a close. Uh, Paul, what are your final thoughts and and plugs? I think final thoughts are, you know, we've we've in some respects turned this season round. We've been able to use these last um, seven games, six games to 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 experiment with um, this 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 kind of new formation that's looking positive going into next season to give us further options not necessarily saying this will be the approach that we take for every game next season but at least we've been able to kind of use this uh these games as an opportunity try something new that has worked and been effective in getting us wins and getting us results to even put us in the place where we're having this discussion about possible top four chances when you know a couple of months ago it was doom and gloom and would we even get close to getting europe never mind um, Champions League. So, yeah, I think it's um, it, we've we've done okay in the last number of games, and it's good to have it's good to have players back. And hopefully, between now and the end of the season, we'll get a chance for Bobby to get another run out to say Cheerio, maybe even Seahawks, um, uh, Milner, and the rest of them, just to kind of go. Thanks very much for your service. Yeah, it, it would be nice to see those guys again one, one last time, and it, it's been good to see Liverpool finally like find their legs in the season a little bit here and like start to get the results like you would expect from Liverpool and like we thought would happen for the the entire season when we were looking ahead at the at our preview podcast so uh, it's it's been nice to see that you know it's still there and it's just yeah. something that can be built on for for next season and hopefully hit the ground running a little bit better next season without you know I think there's a little bit more time off this is not the the World yeah. Cup scheduling, so this gives Liverpool something to to work from. Uh, having this this good run to to close the season. Um, so, Lubo, your your final thoughts? I think the the other good thing about this run of results, um, not just because it's it's put points on the board and it's put uh, put us back in place for at least for Europa League, you, you like to think, but. You know, we knew that there were a lot of questions around transfers. We knew that there were players, because of a lot of the players who were leaving, we knew we had to bring in players uh, this summer, and that's still the case. But I think also, uh, you know, two months ago, there were a lot of question marks about players on the team on the long-term contracts, including Curtis, including uh, Diogo. Uh, there are still questions about Luis Diaz, how he's going to come back, even Darwin, and I think maybe there's the question around Darwin is still out there, how Cody G- Gakpo would adjust. I think what this run has done is, I think, given a better idea to Klopp and the coaches around what they have at Liverpool. You know, what 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 they have with the players who are uh, uh, at, at the in the team, uh, players who are on the long term contract. So you don't have to go into the off season not just thinking, okay, I have to buy all these players, but what do I have in this player? You know, what do I have in this player? And that that also make that makes an, an off season sort of a uh, 
transfer season even more difficult. So the fact that a lot of questions have been answered around some of the players with question marks, but even the fact that that Fabinho has looked a bit more competent in, in here, I think that uh, in this new system, I, I think this will actually help with the preparation uh, for uh, for next season. It will help with the summer, um, and I think this as as a, just not just as the results, but just as how we should feel, uh, you know, about fans for what we could see next season. I think it's been much, much better. I think if we had kept uh, losing games and changing formations and players were looking really poor and you're not sure about this player or that player, it would have made the summer much, much more difficult for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a that's a good place for us to, to come to a close. Uh, so we will talk to you again on the other side of the end of the season. So until then, up the Reds. And I'm uh, hoping we're getting the Champions League. Yeah, right there, everyone. Yeah. Here, here's the Good top night. four. Yes, here's yep. the top four. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.